Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first installment of March is the Start, a new college basketball podcast put on by myself, Easton Harnick, 21-year-old, goes to the University of Nebraska from small-town Minnesota. Um, This podcast is for everybody that loves college basketball, everybody that wishes there was more content during the offseason, everybody that thinks March is the start, just like the name implies. Uh, The plan is to do weekly installments. Not sure what day of the week that'll be on, but we're going to figure that out. Plan to do one episode a week. Excited to do it. Today, we're going to jump right in with the first topic, which is just ranking the Big East. We're going to go through every conference um, of the six power conferences and uh, rank all the teams, see where everybody lies. And these are the way too early preseason rankings. Um, The first team up on the docket, number 11, uh, who I see to be the absolute worst team in the Big East, beyond a doubt, would be DePaul. Now, DePaul, they've been in trouble for a a while. Um, They really can't get anything going. You know, they had some bad losses last year. They did not come out of the season with a good record, didn't make a postseason tournament. Now, this last place ranking shouldn't be a surprise for a team like DePaul. Their program's not in a good spot. They really don't have a solid direction in which they are heading. Uh, So just looking at their schedule, they start off the season with Loyola, um, which is at home. Uh, you know, hopefully should be a win for them. They play Western Illinois the second game. Western Illinois, you know, a team that probably should be should be an easy win for them. But just just looking back at last season, Western Illinois beat beat Nebraska, which is obviously a Power Six conference team now, one that's not very good. But but they still did get the early season win. So Western Illinois is very comfortable coming into this. Um, this game is going to be played in Chicago, Illinois as well, um, at DePaul, but. Western Illinois is accustomed to this. You know, they're accustomed to the big situation. Going to play a power conference team doesn't uh, doesn't scare them, especially one that has not been in a good place lately. They put Nebraska in their place last year, and I think they very easily could put DePaul in their place again. Minnesota's uh, another team that they play early in the season. That's that's probably going to be a struggle for them. Um, they have to go to Minnesota to play that game, which will be their first road game. And Minnesota was a team that didn't do great last year, but did – exceed the expectations of I think most of the hometown fans they they played well when early on in the season and, and struggled a little bit now they do have a lot of turnover uh just as they did the year before but uh, Minnesota I believe is in a much better program with their new head coach than than DePaul is uh, later on in the season uh just a non-conference schedule on November 20th uh they're either going to play the winner or loser we'll see how it goes it is in the uh, Bahamar Hoops, Bahamas Classic, they're going to play Santa Clara first, and then November 20th, uh, depending on if they win or lose that game, they're going to play UCF or Oklahoma State. Now, I really don't like DePaul this year against almost any power conference team, so if they do get matched up in that Oklahoma State game, it it could be bad for them. It could get ugly quick. Um, November 25th, they play at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, we all know, was a team that uh, got bounced at the end of last year from, from March Madness, you know, they did make the SEC championship game and they just, they just couldn't quite pull it off. But, um, you know, they're probably a team that a lot of people thought, uh, got left out on the bubble that should have been in. So, uh, another team that's coming in with something to prove that it's not probably going to go into Paul's, into Paul's favor. 
December 3rd. They have to go to Loyola Chicago. Now, I know that's still in Chicago. That's still at home. But as we all know, Loyola is a program that has done really well recently for a small school. Uh, That doesn't bode well for for DePaul. Uh, It's not looking good for them to start the year, not to mention that also on December 17th, they have to travel to Northwestern. Now, I do like how uh, a lot of their away games in the non-conference, at least, they did keep pretty close to home. You know, you're talking about Northwestern. That's in Illinois. You know, Chicago, Loyola Chicago is in Illinois. Uh, the Santa Clara, UCF, Oklahoma State possible matchup there. That's in the Bahamas. Not much you can do about that. They do play Texas A&M at home. They're making Texas A&M come to them, which I like. Even uh, going to Minneapolis for that Minnesota game isn't too far of a travel for them. But I really don't like where he Paul's at. Um, it's going to be tough for them to finish anywhere other than dead last in the Big East this year, I think. Number 10 on the list, team that finishes 10th in the Big East, I think is the Butler Bulldogs. Um, Butler's struggled lately. Uh, You know, they're trying some new things out, but we'll see how it goes. I think they're about a year or two away from from really competing in this conference, though, with some of their young guys, you know. Um, Just to take a peek at their schedule, their first true game of the year is against New Orleans at home, a team that they hopefully should be able to take care of. Uh, but then right after that, they do have to travel to Penn State, which, again, um, not a terrible far far journey for Butler. But uh, Penn State, team of the Big Ten, that had a little bit of a down year last year, but but they are expecting to try and, try and bounce back in a big way. So um, not an easy test for Butler to try and have to go to Penn State in just, just their second game of the – just their second game of the year early on in the season, you know. Uh, then they are going to play in the Battle for Atlantis tournament. In the first game of the Battle for Atlantis uh, tournament, they have to play Tennessee. Tennessee, there's there's not much of a much room for error there. You know, Tennessee was a very solid game or a very solid team last year. That, in in all honesty, they they should have went way farther than they did. Uh, they couldn't pull it off, but other teams in that battle for Atlantis black bracket, I mean, you have Kansas, NC State, Dayton, Wisconsin, uh, USC, BYU, Tennessee, and then Butler. You know, so when you're looking at that, when you're looking at that bracket, uh, they're either going to play the winner or the loser after that Tennessee game that I think they will lose. So I think they're going to play the loser of USC and BYU. Another game that is absolutely not a given. You know, I think they could see themselves falling all the way down to that last place game uh, in the battle for Atlantis tournament, which is, which is tough, going to be a tough start to the year for the Butler Bulldogs. Um, after that, they have to go play in the big East big 12 battle against Kansas state. Uh, nothing light there. Kansas state's a team that I think could come, come up big in a big way. And Butler's, Butler's young, you know, they're not going to have a lot of experience on that team and the experience they do have to, in all honesty, isn't that good. Uh, and then not to mention that their last non-conference game of the year is going to be against the University of California. You know, maybe that's war- one where uh, if Butler does play well in the non-conference schedule, you know, maybe they can pick up a win against Cal uh, at Cal and they can ride a little bit of momentum going into the conference schedule, which is not going to be not going to be easy. The big, the big East is going to be very tough this year. It's going to be a very deep conference and uh, it's, it's going to be tough for them to shake around. Butler, number 10. Now, number nine in the Big East. Um, unfortunately, I would love to see him do well, but this is this is where I have Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown 
and uh, and Georgetown sitting. Uh, Patrick Ewing is, you know, I know that the faculty has came out and said that he is not on thin ice. I am, uh, I am not one that believes in that. Uh, I think that he is on very thin ice. You know, they, they've given him a couple years. Yes, he did make that very improbable NCAA tournament run. We have to remember when he made that run to the NCAA tournament, they did not win a game in the conference that year. They were, or they were dead last in the conference. Sorry, last year they didn't win a game in the conference and they didn't make uh, the NCAA tournament. The year prior they did. But the year that they did make the NCAA tournament, they were coming into the Big East at ranked dead last. So this is this is something that has not been good for the Hoyas. Um, obviously, everybody around the Georgetown basketball community wants one of their best players ever, Patrick Ewing, to work out. But so far, it just has not. You know, they're going to start off the year against a couple easy opponents, Coppin State, Wisconsin, Green Bay. I'm sure they're hoping to start 2-0 and there. Um, we will see if they will be able to. And then uh, another Big East team that's got to play Northwestern this year. You know, they got to – they got they get a home game against Northwestern. Northwestern, uh, a team that you know didn't play super great last year, also lost uh, one of their big time big time players and uh, their their power forward. So you know it's Pete Nance is is something difficult for them to overcome. He did a lot for he did a lot for Northwestern last year, but I still think that they're probably going to be a better team than Georgetown is overall this year. Uh, should be a good game. We'll see who comes out of that one. You know, then they're going to go to the Jersey Mike's Jamaica Classic. They're going to play an easier first-round game against Loyola Marymount. Um, but then after that, you know, there's the potential if they win that game, they're going to have to go play Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest is someone that, in all honesty, played very well last year. I believe they were the fifth seed in the um, ACC tournament. So uh, a team that did well in a conference that maybe had a little bit of a down year in the ACC, but, but no, nonetheless a team that did well last year. So – after that, uh, in the Big 12 Big East battle, they have Texas Tech. Texas Tech, a team that is a perennial March Madness team at this point. Uh, they have been good. Uh, I don't I don't see them falling off at all. Uh, so it doesn't look good there for the Georgetown Hoyas. And then, you know, they, they got to play a team just a few days later in South Carolina. It's got a lot of question marks. They have uh, the number one recruit in the country uh, that was supposed to be in the class of 2023 is now going to be in the class of 2022 and is is leaving early in Gigi Jackson, you know, uh, a guy that's he's, – he's going to be very good. He's going to be a great acquisition for South Carolina. So with with Georgetown there, you know, it's just tough to see them getting a win, not to mention uh, ending the non-conference schedule at Syracuse, a team that, you know, obviously lost the Bayheim brothers and and a team that's lost a lot, but someone you can't mess around with ever is Jim Bayheim. So we'll see how that goes for the – Georgetown and Hoyas, they finished with zero conference wins last year. So after Syracuse, they're going to move into the conference season. They had zero conference wins last year. It's not hard to improve on that. I think they can do it. They've made a couple moves, and I think that they can take that next step as a team. But it, it, it's still going to be rough. It's going to be tough. We will uh, we'll see how that goes for the Georgetown Hoyas. I have them finishing ninth in the Big East. Now, number eight. I have the team that took over the nation last year, took their head coach. I have Seton Hall. Uh, they they got Shaheen Holloway from uh, St. Peter's, a team that was great in March Madness last year. Uh, I'm not as high as him as most people are. You see those Cinderella runs, runs all the time. I know that we have seen um, 
coaches work out. Um, you talk about Shaka Smart, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good coach that, that started somewhere small like Wichita State. Um, Brad Stevenson started at Butler. I know Butler's in the Big East, but still then started a, at a huge place and then has gone on to do great coaching things and, and now GM type of role in the NBA for the Boston Celtics. But um, I'm not as high as Shaheen Holloway. Um, I think they're going to take a year or maybe more to, to put this whole thing together. Uh, so we will see how that all works out for them. But uh, I, I think that last year they struck March in, uh, lightning in a bottle uh, with, with St. Peter's and Shaheen Holloway and uh, with a roster that's lost a lot at Seton Hall, uh, namely Jared Rodon. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for them to be any higher than, than eighth coming in. You know, you look at their schedule and they do play St. Peter's, maybe a little bit of a revenge game for the Peacocks. But uh, they go to a team like Iowa who did lose Jordan Bohanna but has Patrick McCaffrey, um, a really solid young player that, that's going to be really good for them. You know, they play Memphis. Uh, Penny Hardaway is always going to bring a, a, a big-time fight that is in the ESPN events Invitational. So we'll see how that goes. And then they, they play the defending national champions in the Big East Big 12 battle, uh, and they play it in Lawrence. Uh, basically, any time a team plays at Lawrence, you can pretty much chalk that as, up as a loss. So uh, then, you know, they do have they have Rutgers. Uh, that's away, but that's a nice away game, I think, for a Big East opponent not too far away and a team that's not too great. So maybe they can pick up a power conference win there. Ultimately, I think it's going to be really tough for uh, the St. Peter's – or, our, sorry, got St. Peter's on the mind with Sheen Holloway for the Seton Hall Pirates to finish any higher than eighth in this division. Seton Hall, number eight. Number seven, I got Marquette. I just mentioned Shaka Smart. You know, he made that amazing run quite a few years ago with Wichita State. Um, he's been at Texas, and now he's at Marquette. I wish I could put them higher. Uh, but with a loss of Justin Lewis, I, I think it's a little bit uh, – too much for them to make up to put them any higher in this division than they are right now. You know, um, let, let's talk about their, their, uh, schedule is not too great either. You know, they're going to play at Purdue, uh, Purdue. We all know they lost Jade and Ivy, but they still have that seven, three monster. So, uh, it, that's going to be a tough game playing at Purdue for them. Um, you know, they do have a couple of easy games in there that should be easy, I should say, should be uh, Radford, Central Michigan, LIU, you know. Um, but then they are going to head to the Rocket Mortgage tip-off and play play Mississippi State, um, a team that lost Garrison Brooks last year. So they're going to be lacking a little bit of size. But we'll see how it all works out for Marquette there. After that, they're either going to play Georgia Tech or Utah. Georgia Tech was a team that um, was good a couple years ago and really fell off this past year in the ACC. So if they can match up with against them. I think they can grab a win there, you know, but then the rest of their schedule really doesn't look non-conference schedule. doesn't really look too good. They're going to play Baylor, uh, another team that's just consistently a very good program. And it's going to be really tough for them to win that game. They play Wisconsin again, same type of thing in the big 10, very good program going to be very tough for them to win that game. And then uh, Notre Dame, they got to play at Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, a team that, you know, did did catch a little fire last year at the end of the year. So maybe they can keep that momentum going. But uh, I can see Marquette versus Notre Dame being a very good game in the Big East. And definitely Marquette's a team that, that, that could have a chance at making the NCAA tournament. But they're going to have quite a few, have to have quite a few things go their way. Marquette, number seven in the Big East. Number six, uh, I got a team that, that took down a lightning hot South Dakota State team last year to start off the NCAA tournament and got Providence. Uh, 
you know, with the whole starting lineup pretty much for Providence leaving, and only three rotation players coming back, I think they're due for a step back. Um, I do love their head coach, Ed Cooley, though. Uh, you know, you really never know what he's going to pull out, and uh, they weren't supposed to be nearly as good last year as they were, and they, they ended up being a really solid team. So, you know, uh, Providence is really a mystery team this year, uh, I think, just because we don't know what it's going to look like for them. We don't know uh, how they're going to be, but I do trust Ed Cooley to put something together. They're a team that we really don't know a lot about their schedule either. Um, and the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off, they start off with the uh, University of Miami, uh, so University of Miami should be, again, a at least a decent team um, this year. So we'll see how that works out for them. But uh, then they either would play Maryland or St. Louis. You know, I think both of those teams probably favorable matchups for Providence, just with the head coach um, experience there. And then they do play TCU. We all remember TCU's game last year in the NCAA, NCAA tournament. They're definitely no team to take lightly. So, yeah, that's all we really know about their schedule, though. Um, but Providence, when you lose the whole starting, starting lineup and only have three rotation players coming back, it's going to be really tough for you to compete at the same level that you did be, the year before. Providence number six, number five, I have St. John's coming at number five in the big East. Um, you know, after a solid 2020 for St. John's and a step back a little bit in 2020, 2021, I think this is a year where, where St. John's can actually compete. I think they can make a push for that top five spot in the Big East and even have a shot at the NCAA tournament when the year um, comes said and done. Uh, what is not going to help them make the NCAA tournament, though, is they don't have a great non-conference schedule, so they're really going to have to get that work done uh, in in the conference schedule. You know, notable opponents that they play in the non-conference uh, Nebraska, who again, that's you know, winning that game more than likely is not going to help them out a lot because Nebraska usually is not parentally a very good team. Uh, they do play in the Empire Classic. They start off against Temple. Uh, would would be good to get a win there at the Barclays Center, um, right in right in New York there. So uh, after that though, they're going to need to play Syracuse or Richmond. Syracuse, Jim Beheim, very tough coaches. I've said earlier in this podcast, and Richmond, a team that uh, really caught everybody's attention and and going and win their conference and then beat upset in Iowa in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So uh, after that though, really their notable games, they got to go to Iowa state, Iowa state um, can be a very potentially scary team. Uh, they did lose Isaiah Brockington and Tyrese Hunter last year, Iowa state did. So that's going to take them a step back, but otherwise uh, I think they do have potential to do have another good season under their belt, but we will see how that goes. Uh, and then they finish off their, um, season with the Orange Bowl Basketball Classic against Florida State. Florida State uh, dealt with a major injury bug last year and struggled. Uh, but St. John's, I think, really can really can uh, pretty much, they have, a, they have a chance to run the table um, in the non-conference. It's going to be tough, but these are all very winnable games for them, you know. Uh, and I think this is the year they finally do take that next step forward. So with that being said, St. John's at number five in the Big East. At number four, uh, one of the Blue Bloods, I think, in college basketball, one that's stepping into being a Blue Blood is Villanova. Um, this is a lot of trust putting them this high um, with the departure of Jay Wright, uh, a great college basketball coach for a long time and, and a guy that, that led them for 
for a very solid amount of time. It's going to be tough uh, making that transition to the next head coach, but uh, I believe that Jay Wright has a system system in progress that um, they knew this was coming and, and they have a plan. So I will put that trust in, in Villanova to end this high. You know, they did also lose Colin Gillespie. And, uh, but I think with just the recruiting Jay Wright's done, the teaching of the players that are previously on the team, you know, Colin Gillespie mentoring those young guys on the team as well. I think that they still are good enough to have a top four spot. Um, you know, they don't have exactly an easy, easy non-conference uh, schedule either. They have, they have a chance to prove themselves early playing against Tom Izzo and Michigan State going up to East Lansing on November 18th, a game that should be very fun to watch. Um, and then they, they play in the Phil Knight Invitational. You know, they got Iowa State first in the Phil Knight Invitational. Um, and if they win that game, you know, they have a chance to take out the nas- uh, national runner-up last year and in North Carolina as long as they take care of Portland. And then, you know, other teams in that in that conference, we could see could see a preseason uh, or uh, kind of a preseason matchup between them and UConn. Uh, pre-conference schedule game, you know, they could possibly get three games against each other this year, or, you know, they could meet up with Michigan State again, Alabama, Oregon, and UConn also in that bracket. So um, a lot of good teams and a lot of chance to prove themselves uh, for Villanova, for Villanova this year. They also have Oklahoma on the schedule. Uh, Oklahoma is a team that, you know, they, they're going to be solid. I believe they were 19 and 16 last year. So um, definitely nothing to, nothing to look over. So, uh, but I think Villanova will be good enough to get the win against them. And then they will, uh, and end it with a big game against Boston college. So, and then head into the conference schedule. I think they beat Boston college and, and head into the conference schedule with a fairly good record, depending on how they do in the film night invitation. So hopefully Jay Wright left that program, um, in a good enough situation and hopefully they can keep on his tradition of being a winner there. Villanova, number four in the Big East. Now we go to the top three, top three teams in the Big East. Three, UConn. Mm-hmm. UConn's back. Sorry, Texas, they're actually back. Um, after making it to the NCAA tournament, uh, back-to-back NCAA tournaments, I think that UConn finally found their guy and head coach Dan Hurley. A top finish with this team, you know, later on in in the Big East in, in the season. I, I It wouldn't surprise me, you know, seeing them winning the conference outright or maybe uh, if they don't finish first in the regular season, maybe going on to win that conference tournament. You know, Dan Hurley's had his teams ready to go in the past couple of years at the end of the season. That's the best time to do it. Uh, they are also going to be playing in that uh, Phil Knight Invitational, as I mentioned earlier. They're going to start off the year with Oregon, a really tough Oregon team. So, so they're going to have a chance to prove themselves early and then uh, as I said, it is a loaded Phil Knight Invitational um, with teams Oregon, uh, UConn, Alabama, Michigan State, Iowa State, North Carolina, and Villanova. Portland's also in there. Um, maybe get a little bit of hometown bias there for Portland getting in that one. But, uh, yeah, I think Villanova – or, sorry, UConn has a really good chance. I think they will finish top three in this league. I think they could finish at number two or number one. You know, they're going to have chances to prove themselves – in that Phil Knight Invitational, they're going to have a chance to prove themselves on December 1st against Oklahoma State, and they're going to have a chance to prove themselves at Florida um, on December 7th. And then, obviously, they play in a conference that uh, runs teams through the NCAA tournament like no one else in the Big East. So uh, they're going to have the chances. I think Dan Hurley finally has his guys. I think this year they're ready. I think they're they're ready to go this year.
UConn, number two, or you no, sorry, number three in the Big East. The number two team in the Big East. We only have Xavier and Creighton left. I think Xavier does finish second in the Big East. You know, they're a team that just missed the tournament last year after completely falling apart towards the end of the season. Um, I think they're hungry. I think they're coming with a vengeance. Um, and they do lead one of the best front courts in the nation. And uh, I expect them to be in the AP poll all year long. Taking a peek at their schedule quick. Um, they're going to play Indiana, Indiana, um, Trace Jackson Davis. They got to go play that guy. Um, so the, the front court is really going to get a, a good test with a guy that has a chance to be um, an All-American this year right off the bat. Um, and then they are also playing uh, over in Portland, but they are not playing in the Phil Knight Invitational. They are going to play in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Phil Knight Legacy Tournament, just as star-studded, I tell you, it is there is no letting up for that either. Um, Xavier plays Florida in that game, um, their first-round matchup. And then, uh, you know, they have they have more than likely a chance if they win that game to go play Duke in the second game and, and really show what they got and really show that they are a contender at the national level this year. Um, they're also going to have a chance to possibly play Purdue or Gonzaga um, or play Press Virginia later in that. So um, there's a really solid chance that right from the get-go this year after that Phil Knight Legacy Tournament that um, Xavier proves himself that they're legit, that, that they're here to stay. And... Um, I think that they really can be, you know, a top 15 team in the nation with a chance to really make it far in the NCAA tournament as long as they don't have a complete meltdown like they did at the end of last year. So with that being said, I have Xavier at number two in the country, or not in the country, in the Big East. It only leaves one. The best team in the country, or in the Big East, I think, will be Creighton. Creighton Blue Jays, you know, I think they're the obvious favorite in the Big East right now, um, and one of the top teams coming into the into the season in the nation. You know, um, I think that they have the, they do have the potential to be a top five team all year long. Um, this season should this team is going to be so fun to watch. Ryan Nemhard and Baylor Shireman are just going to be an absolute headache for every single head coach that plays them in the country to deal with. That is so much firepower to deal with. Baylor Shireman is a transfer from South Dakota State University. He's a guy that can pass it. He rebounds. He'll really shoot the ball well, and he can finish around the rim. You know, adding that right next to Ryan Nemhard is going to be tough. And um, this offensive production is going to be it's, it's going to be out of the world with the team in, in the league that um, we don't always see that offensive production from maybe in the Big East. You know, they do play some tough defense, but um, – with with McDermott at the helm though, that defense is still going to be it's still going to be there night in and night out. So, um, between the offense production, I think the defensive the defensive value that just bringing a long lanky Sherman and having Ryan Nemhard back, um, I I think this team is is poised to be a top team in the country. I think they're going to be great. I think they're going to be the number one team in the Big East not only in the regular season. I think they're going to win their conference tournament. You know, they do have a light a little bit of a lighter maybe uh, schedule non conference schedule. They play Texas Tech um, at Texas Tech. That, of course, that's in the first round of the uh, um, Jim the Maui Invitational. Um, other teams I could see over there would be teams like Louisville, Arkansas, who has a chance to finish very high. Um, Ohio State, you know, 
San Diego State, Arizona, Cincy. So they have a chance to prove themselves early in the season two and really establish as one of those top teams. They're also going to have to go in the Big Big 12 Big East battle to Austin, Texas to play the University of Texas and what will not be an easy game for Creighton. And I think will um, be a very tough game for Texas because I think Creighton will go down to Austin and take care of them. Uh, they're going to play Nebraska again. I think that's a cakewalk for them. I think Creighton rolls them. Um, and then they got BYU and Arizona State. So um, not an easy non-conference schedule, not a hard one, though, either. So it's – but Creighton's going to have a chance to, to prove themselves right out from the get-go. So um, excited to see what I can see from the Blue Jays this year, and that will round out the top 11 of the Big East to go back over that one more time. DePaul 11, Butler 10, Georgetown 9, Seton Hall 8, Marquette 7. Providence 6, St. John's 5, Villanova 4, UConn 3, Xavier 2, and Creighton Blue Jays, your regular season conference champion. That is all from the first installment, episode 1 of March is the Start. Thank you all for listening. Another podcast coming out next week. Appreciate it.